0: Welcome to Hebrewia Cast, the podcast where I, Aladna Harai, speak with some fascinating and incredible creative Jews. Okay, okay. welcome to Hebrewia Cast with Rifkin Harai and Mary Ukrainchuk. Thank you so much for being here, Mary. My pleasure. Nice um, to hang out with you a little bit. Yes, finally uh, getting together. Yes. Um, so this is so Mary is a writer for Hevria amongst many other publications as well. Um, actually, could you kind of explain which different places you've written for? And So
1: um, I'm a regular writer. I'm a columnist actually for the New Jersey Jewish News, which is our local paper and it's all over New Jersey, which is kind of cool, and uh, the Jewish Week. And I've written for Tablet and Kfeller and, you know, the Jewish uh the Jewish world was in daily um and I had a, a fun piece in Grok Nation that was really fun um it was actually a piece that I didn't know where else would work but that you know sometimes you get a yeah you write something you're like oh it needs to have that home and it worked out which was really awesome um and I wrote a book, actually, for the Joint Distribution Committee for their centennial. I, got, I had worked there for many years and lived abroad for them. And um, I got to spend a year in their archives, which was super cool. Um, wow. They have wonderful, you know, 100 years. So the offerings and the what things you stumble upon, you know, the serendipity of it was great, the pictures and the documents and the history. Um, and I got to um, pick the picked the items that went in the book and then also did the writing, you know, the essays that preceded each of the wow. pieces. So that so, was great.
0: Yeah. How old were you when you did this book?
1: Um, so I started with them in 92, but I did the book in 2014. They, oh. they were founded uh, actually in August of 2014. They began in result of, as a result of World War I when the Jews in Palestine needed help. And the American ambassador, uh, nineteen fourteen, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? So, um, I worked. I had a fellowship with them in nineteen ninety two, mm. and actually went to um, November of ninety two. I went to Zagreb. Actually, found out on a Tuesday that I was leaving on Thursday, which was kind of insane. Wow. But you and Zagreb knew. is Zagreb is the capital of Croatia. So Yugoslavia ah. had fallen apart, and the. JDC was hosting uh, the Jewish community there with JDC help was hosting refugees that JDC was bringing out of Sarajevo. Wow. Um, And I was working with the refugees in Croatia. And actually, that's my husband is from Croatia and he was a medical student. So we met in the Jewish community uh, there. Wow. Yeah, so we always joke that there were it was wartime, there were no souvenirs, there wasn't even Diet Coke, but you know, so I had to bring up something. So I found him. Oh my uh, god. It didn't happen we it took a while so he could come here because he had to finish medical school and
0: Oh my god. So on but
1: we actually met uh we met there.
0: That's an amazing story. Yes, so
1: we're actually celebrating Canada our twenty fifth wedding anniversary wow. this year. So it's kind of it's kind of cool. Can yeah. you
0: tell me a little bit more about that? Like, how did you first meet him and um, what was the courtship?
1: <laughs> so the funny thing was, actually, I was leaving. Yeah. I spent two months, you spent two months in New York learning about the organization. And then yeah. a colleague had been there two weeks before I found mm-hmm. that I was going. And she's yeah. like, there was this really nice guy and he took me to the airport and he was just really warm and I want to send him a gift. So she sent she bought him something and then at the last minute decided she wanted to send him something else and because it was the war there were people going with wow. some some regularity. Yeah. So she didn't end up sending me but she said you have to find this guy he's the he's the nicest guy, he's the nicest guy. So we we met when I got to the airport um my colleague picked me up and then a, a local woman picked me up and we got in the car and here I am like thousands away from home and this woman says you know, typical Jewish mother, oh, I have a boy for you. Amazing. <laughs> and I laughed, and it ended up actually being the same guy. Okay. Um, it was all coincidental, and in my head I'm thinking, you know, uh, not not here for that, and I'm not looking for distractions, and then and then we met. And it was love at first sight? Uh, was... Second sight. <laughs> second date? Second sight, yeah. <laughs> first date, second sight. So, um, yeah, so it's nice. It's good. Oh. And it's cool, and I think, actually, I was thinking about it the other day, there's something very different when you, um, you know, we met there as opposed to I met someone who lived here from another country. So yes. like our first getting to, ne- you know, we met in a different, la- almost like I didn't know the language till I was there. I had to learn it because most wow. of the people I work, worked with spoke, um, they were elderly and they worked, uh, they spoke German as their second language, not English as their second language. And
0: you learned German?
1: No, I learned oh. Croatian ah, okay, or okay, okay. Serbo-Croatian. Okay, okay. Um you know, it was really, and actually, a lot of that experience reflects on. You know, I, I was very uncomfortable with like the idea. How could people who are like part of one country? How could they suddenly overnight become? Wow. You know, how could so much animosity develop? But there was an. I had this little book I got actually at the UN bookstore called Just Enough Serbo-Croat, and I'd left it on my desk, and someone had crossed off the Serbo because. The Jews from Sarajevo—they left the city, fled the city because they were being attacked by Serb forces. So, like, they didn't want to see Serbian. So I was thinking, you know, here this, you know, cute little bouncy American comes in, and you have no idea, and then you're suddenly face to face with it. So, wow. And it's informed. You know, our family life is half American and half, you know, like we're American. We're an American family. We've lived here to get me married here and we live here together. But that cultural piece, like to imagine, I mean, I'm fourth generation American on my mother's side. Like we're really, mm-hmm. it's like we, we used to joke, we came over on the Mayflower, you yeah. know, four generations for someone my age is very unlikely to right. happen. Um, what so about on cool. your
0: father's side?
1: So my father's side is also at least, two I don't know my father's side so well, but it's at least two generations American. Mm-hmm. And my, my father's parents were both born in New York, so we're really—I'm wow. very American, like really, really Yankee, as they say. It, so yeah. it's been great, I think, for my kids to appreciate. I don't know it just like I think of sometimes like like I call myself Croatian, and I'm not, you know, wow. like I just—it's such a we're we're like an American family infused with that culture and an appreciation for it, and. It's been really great because, you know, my husband can reference something and I'll know what he's talking about, or he'll forget a word in Croatian and it'll turn to me and I'll be able to say, oh, you know, that's that, or we have a dictionary in the kitchen so that we can look up a word. And I think it's just adds such a nice layer. You know, you have the American layer and then you have the Jewish layer and then we have that layer and you just, all these layers that just make life richer. Um, And I I think it's it's been really nice to have that. Yeah. Um, It's,
0: you know... So interesting. Wow. I just learned a ton about you. Yeah, <laughs> Such a short <laughs> amount of time that was not expected. Yeah. Um, it's interesting cause I really sense from you, um, and maybe this will lead to me reading your last piece, your piece mm-hmm. two weeks ago that I was interested in. Um, I really sense from you a connection. I don't know if it's from this experience, but a connection with being from somewhere else, being mm-hmm. like, I would would not have been surprised at all if you said that your grandparents were in the Holocaust, like that there there Mm -hmm. seems to be like a very, you're very connected with like Jewish history in Mm -hmm. a very deep, like through your bones way. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm curious Mm -hmm. of where you see that.
1: Um, So I actually, even when I was little, like a little girl, like some of my earliest memories, I sometimes felt, and I don't want to call it outer body, but like I definitely felt like I was... I don't know if mismatch is the right word, like the an older yeah. soul had somehow, you know, like yeah. when the Malachim were escorting me into the world, they like made a mistake and they put me in the wow. wrong place. Um, I think that, that some of that is, feeds into that artistic outlier yeah. experience, like that you don't quite know where you fit, but I've felt that my whole life and I've always felt old. I've always felt like an old wow. soul that I was from somewhere else or... I don't know if it's like weird to say like, you know, I feel like the connection to my previous Gilgal or something like, but there really is a, I definitely feel yes. that a little bit. yeah um, Like I'm drawn to old things and I'm, you know, I, when I pick up something, like I love to go into, you know, antique stores and, uh, you know, vintage places and pick and imagine, you know, like I feel the soul of that thing coming yeah. off that thing and I'm drawn to the thing aesthetically. And the story behind it, but I like—I feel like someone is point. Like I, I feel a sense that someone is pointing me there. I feel like a, it sounds creepy, actually, now that I'm saying <laughs> it out loud. But I feel a very strong connection to that. Like I—I I use all my my pesach dishes or my grandparents mm-hmm. and my great aunts, and I—I I feel like when I open that rubbermaid bin or open the cabinet, that they they're there. Like I, I definitely not like in a séance, I'm right. in touch with the dead kind of way, right. but like. Just that this lingering, whatever sparkle of mm-hmm. fairy dust they left behind in the world, I feel it. I do feel it. And I think that that's... I definitely have wanderlust. I love to be in new places and experience new things. And to the embarrassment of my children, you know, to talk to... I love to talk to people online in places and wow, um, just to feel that connection. Yeah. I, I do know. That makes me feel ground. Like as much as it sounds like the opposite feeling that connection with something that's not physically here makes right. me feel very grounded well, it sounds here. Well, like,
0: it sounds like you think it's also kind of part of your purpose, you mm, know?
1: Probably, yeah. Like to, And I think that feeds into the wanting to tell story, you know, like, I know everything has a story, yeah. you know. Um, I actually just, I've been saying I'm going to do it for a long time, but I recently did it. We were looking around the house and one of the, one of my boys said, gosh, we have so much stuff. And we do, you know, like if some relative passes me something, I feel like there's a a sacredness to Mm -hmm. it. And I don't want to get rid of it because they gave it to me. And it's hard. It's hard for me to like, let go of it. Once I've accepted it, if I've said no, I'm fine. But once I've accepted, I feel like this sacred responsibility. Um, So I started to write like room by room, the stories of each of the people or, you know, each of the boys have, you know, whoever they're named for, I took something from that person. So I want to give, you know, have for them. And I'm like, I don't want them to come in with a bunch of black garbage bags and just throw everything out. So I've been writing, you know, we were on this trip or this came from this relative or this is the story behind that. So I'm going to try to put pictures. It's like a little personal side project yeah, because there really is a story. I mean, I'm not talking you go into stop and shop and you buy a bag of apples, but right. I really think that there's a soul in our things, especially when you've gotten it from someone you loved. Like it's there, um, I don't, like there's something lingering, but I have my grandfather's banjo. He was um, was a vaudevillian and it was actually great because he used to sing these very inappropriate songs and I didn't understand them, but my grandmother would swack him and say, Harold, not in front of the (laughs) children. But um, I had the banjo restored turned out like this big restore is in New Jersey, not far from us. Right. And I, we opened it up, and the drum had bl- like a black stain on it. And I said, you know, could you remove the schmutz? <laughs> you know, I asked him, he goes, oh, you don't want to remove that. I said, why? He goes, That's the, those are the oils from your grandfather's <gasps> fingertips. Oh, my gosh. And I like shivered. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm re- this is the right guy to be doing this. Like, he believes it too. He's like, wow. so I think that that, that made me very aware that yeah. I wasn't imagining, that yeah. feeling. Like we do leave an imprint behind. It's up to other people to see it, right? Yeah. Like we have to see it. So, I guess some level of my tafgit is to, you know, my purpose is I want to, I want to preserve those stories in whatever way yeah. I can,
0: even if no one reads them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? And well, I'd love to read um, this piece um, about that you Sorry just wrote. If we... No, okay. no, this is all good stuff. Um, because I think it really explains a lot about why some people really respond to what's going on in the world in a very Mm -hmm. deep kind of visceral, you feel it like really deeply in your bones, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think um, what you're saying about like being from another, feeling like you're from another place, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know, and experiencing history in this very deep way, history and current events in this very deep way i think it makes a lot of sense i'd I'd love to read this okay um okay so i hope that i hope that i'm gonna get the right order okay okay so this is mary she wrote a piece how will we know when it's time to go right there's that old joke about how long it takes a jew to leave a party i can't help wonder if the festivities here are winding down If we're too drunk in love with baseball and apple pie to see the writing on the wall. Thank God for the security guard at the entrance to our shul and for our civil liberties, our freedoms of speech and religion and democracy, for which we recite a prayer of gratitude each Shabbos. This has been a paradise of a a diaspora, but our passports and our adoration and loyalty to this place notwithstanding. I read the news and hope beyond hope we are more than guests who have overstayed our welcome. For now, we continue to linger by the Gullus bar, sipping drinks while making witty banter, renovating our homes, and sending our kids off to Jewish day school and summer camp. We might stand up for what we believe in, fighting back where we can, davening for our safety, reciting to him for our peace of mind. Or we might play down the worrying signs, choosing to do nothing about them at all. Either way, those images of nefesh B'nefesh flights are a balm, especially the scenes of the new arrivals kissing the tarmac in Tel Aviv. I presume Halevi did the same to the hot sand beneath his feet when he reached the Holy Land, having torn himself away from his desk and quill, pulling up roots from a position. Oops, I think I missed one line. But the end is, I write my note, my plea, my prayer. How will we know when it's time to go? placing the coattail of my imagination, feeling my lips chill against the stones. Never taking my eyes off its holiness, I walk back across that swath of sacred Israeli ground to await the answer. I skipped like a couple. of paragraphs, okay. just kind of put it together, but I just want to it's share. It's like a dis-
1: it's like foreign. Like it, that's like forget that it's mine. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah.
0: But I think um, I really, and I, I'm curious about um, the experience of you. This whole this whole experience for you, you know, of feeling these things so deeply, mm-hmm. feeling this specific to this, or in more this, general, and in general, mm-hmm. you know, feeling fear, and then having other people, this is what I connected with it. Mm-hmm. It's this weird feeling of feeling the fear and then feeling like not that many other people feel it, or they don't feel in the same way, or, mm-hmm. you know. So not, you know. I think, I think part of it, I'd like to take a step back. I think that,
1: um, you know, one of the pieces that I've always felt like, you know, people think, oh, it's so great. You're so American. Um, you know, my, I don't have pictures from my relatives, but I also feel like as odd as it sounds, there is a disconnect being here because we didn't begin in America. None of us began in America. No Jew started like... We didn't start here. We came from somewhere, whether Eastern Europe, Pale of Settlements, from wherever we came from. You know, I'm very Ashkenazi as mm-hmm. far as I know. You know, mm-hmm. my roots, although I have a definite Sephardic wannabe, like I'm very drawn um, to that culture. Yeah. Um, this is a warmth to it. And I, I just it just yeah you know i always fantasize cuz i have like dark eyes and dark hair yeah, and like yeah. maybe maybe and i don't know anything because i don't know anything past like i have a pack of env- uh, an envelope of pictures from my relatives in europe that was all that i have and i know where they're from more or less i know one side of the family's from minsk and but i don't know anything before. so there's as much as it sounds like we're very rooted here and we weren't like on the move like nomadic jews you know I don't know where I started. Yeah, um, I just know over there, right somewhere, somewhere. Near, my grandmother would say somewhere near Minsk. <laughs> so I don't know what kind of people they were. I don't know whether they were comfortable, well off, poor, learned, not learned. I don't know. And I can look at pictures and I can make up stories, but I don't know more than that. And that feeling of not knowing where you're grounded, yeah, sort of hovers somewhere inside me. Mm. Or sometimes it's more prominent, and some, and I. When I watched the news and I, you know, Pittsburgh really, I mean, I'm sure it shook most people. Um, but it like, I want to say it confirmed, like, I'm not crazy that I'm feeling this discomfort. Um, I mean, I, as a child, I remember our school once had a swastika painted on it and there was a rally. And I remember the whole neo-Nazi march in Skokie growing up that that was a thing. And I watched the Holocaust mini series on television, probably was too young to be watching it. And I was scarred by it. And I do have my husband, I watch every Holocaust movie and every book. And I'm very opinionated about Holocaust fiction and, you know, books that are now written. And I was like, maybe I'm paranoid, maybe I'm imagining, but I feel something, I feel something. And I don't think we should discount what we feel like we're supposed to be. And I don't mean just as women, you know, we're women, we're supposed to be in touch with our intuition. I just think that when our voices talk, I think even like Oprah says things like this, you know, like you're supposed to, no, but you're supposed to listen, you know, if you, if you walk out of a supermarket and it's late at night and you're a woman alone and you have a funny feeling, you're not supposed to ignore it. Right. There's a reason for it. And whether you believe it's intuition, whether it's, it's God is trying to say, you know, go left, don't go Right. I think they have to listen to it. And there's definitely something inside me that is feeling like something's not right. Yeah. You know, that maybe we're in the, you know, some people say it's the throes. Mashiach is coming. And I believe that Mashiach's coming. It's not that I don't. I just don't know if, are we supposed to go? Are we supposed to listen to this voice? Is it too soon? You know, how did someone in 1933 know? You know, so we don't have Nuremberg Laws. Okay. We don't have Nuremberg Laws what signs do you listen and when do you make that dramatic, you know? And I, I think it's also, some people are judgmental. Like, Oh, this one didn't, why didn't they leave? Why? You know, I see why they didn't leave. We're not leaving. We're here. And you know, it's, so it's not the same. I don't know if it's the same. I don't know. I don't have Navua, but something in my Kishka says the world is not on its axis and we have to, You know, like what that, um, I think it's from you, you know, we have to make the crooked straight, the crooked, there is a, there is a crookedness in, in the atmosphere that something isn't right. You know, like people used to be kinder. I used to feel like not as afraid to, you know, I, I watch out for my personal safety, but like, I didn't worry walking into a store with a hat on or, you know, identifying and we... We've gone away as on vacation. Like, you know, my, my kids and my husband are in the Jewish uniform for vacation, you know, like the baseball hat and the tsits are tucked in and like we've been singled out everywhere we go. And like even we were in old Montreal and I was shocked, but somebody like
0: I was what wearing did a they hat. Say? They
1: just like they just knew I was Jewish. So I was like, And was a big friendly sign. or asked questions. And I yeah. don't know, I feel like I don't walk up to someone and say you know, it wasn't like it was a, you know on Fifth Avenue, and it was like they need a minion, and like the guy gets out of his Chabad truck and says, "Come, we need a you know we need a tenth man," and you look Jewish, come on in, or I want to put tillin on you. It was like, why do you, why do we need to even discuss this? And I felt like sometimes I feel like a curiosity in a cabinet. You know, like, like some unidentifiable object and you're like, oh, this was used in, you know, Victorian England. They collected their hair to make stuffed pillows and that's what that is and you think it's like a jar for honey. You know, I feel like a curiosity and I that to me feels like something is not what I shouldn't. We should, we're here, we should be able to be not necessarily a melting pot. I don't like that expression so much because right. I like that we're able to be who we are, right. but not necessarily noticed for it, if that makes sense. Is this a
0: new thing you're saying? Like I definitely feel
1: it. I used to think it was, I didn't feel it when anything was suspect. Now I sometimes like, I, I start to wonder, why are you asking? You know, why is that? Why is my Jewishness? Why does it matter? Um, you know, does it matter that I cover my hair? Does it matter where I'm from? Does it matter that I have a, an aquiline nose or, you know, I look Eastern European? You know, does it matter? Why does it matter? Yeah. And I feel like I don't want it to matter. I did have one nice, um, I wrote actually about it for Wisdom Daily, about this beautiful encounter in the supermarket with a a Muslim woman. And we were both, you know, we both had our scarves on, you know, mine wrapped in my way. And she was, and it was, it was a beautiful, beautiful moment where we kind of looked at each other and recognized the difference. But there was this feeling after I left, like, you know, my son was with me, he goes, are you going to hug her goodbye? Because like, it was that kind of a moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And afterward I just thought I don't know if that moment could happen it was like almost like in this island of the supermarket and I just love that we embraced what we shared and we embraced our differences and it was beautiful and I just wish every moment was like that and I know that's a little kumbayage and not realistic but that's how you I don't know that's how I wish things were and I don't know. Yeah. It's just not like that everywhere. And I don't mean specific, you know, with right. anybody. It could be any religion, any background, any origin. Yeah. It's just different.
0: Do you feel like with your um writing you're able to heal some of that um either angst or like off-centeredness about the world?
1: I don't know if I can heal it, but I think one of the things that we do as writers like I was just explaining this to someone. Like, you write when you write a personal essay, a good personal essay, like a really strong personal essay, as much as it's a personal essay written by you as the writer, it's not only about you, right? It's about the universality of whatever that experience was. So, um, I actually, I think I was telling you before we started about I had written um, something on tablet, and and somebody read something, and then she found this particular article we're discussing, and she she said. You know, I'm in France, yeah. and I feel—I've been here forever, and I feel French. I feel so French, and I, I don't—it's hard to feel unwanted. And that really struck me, but she related so much. And it was about this Jewish girl from New Jersey, and here is this woman in France, right. and part of my feeling of angst is watching what's happening in France, you know, mm-hmm. for the Jews in France. And yeah. it was—that connection was very important, so I don't know if it heals, but like— if each piece you write, someone is touched, or someone feels like, "Wow, I'm less alone."
0: Yeah.
1: Even if it's in this virtual, you know, world that it feels so not real. Um, like we met through the digital world, and here we are, yeah. right? You know, but that connection that you're not you're you're not imagining what you're feeling gets like that's not that you should need someone else's validation, but there's like this sense of, "Wow, um, I'm not alone," and I'm reading this article by somebody, and she connects, and then I get that beautiful response. And I think, well, I'm not alone either. And, you know, so I guess that heals a, it heals a little bit of a fissure, right? By bringing two people together through Mm -hmm. the words. And, you know, we, I think we as Jews, words are so powerful They're powerful otherwise, but like we talk about Hashem's word and we're the people of the book and all of these things, words do have a lot of, they can disrupt or they can... It was some of that healing.
0: It's interesting because you kind of had these two experiences that you're talking about. One where you're going to Old Montreal and people are asking you about being Jewish. And then this other experience where you're at the supermarket with this uh, Muslim woman and you're talking about being Jewish. And what I think is interesting, and I guess correct me if I'm wrong, you know, is that it seems like it's um, not so much necessarily the words with these people, but kind of the energy behind it. Like these people in old Montreal, they're not coming up to you like, I I can sense something really beautiful from your family. Can you tell me about it? Like, it sounds like there's kind of like, you seem like these kind of strange people, like this kind of distance. I think it's like a, you don't want to,
1: you don't want to be, you don't want to stand out. Like once you're noticed, there's something like, why am I being noticed? And I I don't know if I have a heightened sense of things because I'm feeling that there's a tenseness and the You're environment. you feel like a fear. I feel like a. Dis- it starts most of the time. It's discomfort. It's right. Like why? I want to know Muslim, why. Because the Muslim woman noticed you. Well, we noticed each other, right? Um, and it was like you know those commercials they have like a, two long lost siblings are running across the wheat field and they're embracing. You know, like one of the. It was one of those moments that we like looked up. She looked up from her cart. She had a, a small boy in a cart, and I looked up from my cart and our eyes just met and there was this instant connection of energy. And, you know, I, I, we didn't say anything, but we smiled at each other. It wasn't, there was not an, I didn't feel any discomfort at all. I didn't right. feel it at all. Right. Because I think what we, we recognized in that moment, what we shared. Of what we're the same. Right. Was bigger That's than what differentiated us. Yeah. And that at the end of the day, that's all people, really. Like we, right. we're all we're all human, right? Right. Like I love Shdissel. I don't relate to much of their, like, but I love that. At the end
0: of the day, we're all we all feel, we all love, we all hurt, and um, so when you sense from people that unity, like even if they're, is that what you're saying more like that that
1: human that we're both that recognition? Wow, we're
0: both human, right? And
1: we've just had that flash of, yeah. and I think those flashes of connection that's part of the healing. Right. Right? Like, two more humans, Mm -hmm. it's almost like, you know, with babies when they're neurons, like, you want to stimulate their brains so their neurons are firing and more development. It's the same kind of thing. I feel like that in the world. Like, as soon as you make another connection, even if it's fleeting, right? Right. Like, I didn't take her phone number and ask her, like, let's get together. Right. But- that sense of, okay, two more humans have now connected. We did a little more of God's work, yeah. right? Like his His world is healing. And right. I, we throw around tikkun olam and all that. I don't mean that. I mean, like we've we've done a little something. This little tiny crack that was there, yeah. two people don't have it anymore.
0: Right. Cause, so like if this man from old man, Montreal, like if he had come to you and there had been those sparks, it wasn't, that's yeah. what like, you know what I'm saying? Because like. They can't, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. But you don't, that's what I was talking about, like that I feel like the same yeah. feeling
1: like when I walk what? into an yeah, antique yeah, yeah. store. There's a, if you're aware of it, I think we all have this energy coming yes. off of us and we control, you know, what we're
0: sending out into the world, right. right? It's very interesting because I had a couple of thoughts about that. One thing I was just thinking today was that sometimes when people haven't been to like every event before, you know, mm. and they're like oh, wow, there's, you know, there's people who are, um, you know, quote, unquote, off the derech, you know, where they used to be uh, Orthodox and now they're not. Um, or And then there's people who are Balchuvah, where they didn't used to be Orthodox, and now they are. And like all these different types of people. Wow, you put all these people together and they all... And to me, like, I think that's great from a funding perspective where right. people are like, oh, I want to fund that or whatever, you know, which is, you know, please do. Right. But um, But from my perspective... When I'm sitting at the table, I don't, I don't feel like we're different. I feel no. like there's no not, name badge that, that no, says but what you are. I'm right? saying I don't feel like oh, this person's off the derrick and I'm quote unquote on the derrick. or I don't feel I'm. I feel like we are so similar. I'm like, of course we're getting along because we're like the same types of people. You know what I'm saying? So to me, it's not this like wow moment of like, how did you get these different people together? I'm like, yeah, of course we're friends. Like we're all the same, right? (laughs) You know, in that type of way of like, you know, we all happen to be human, right? Like, yeah, and we just have you know we similar interests, ways of you know wanting to express ourselves. Like, so I just thought it was funny, you know, because like I have. You know, different friends that people might say, "Oh, wow, it's interesting." Your friends and I'm like, "It's so obvious why we're friends." Right. You know, <laughs> like we're the. We're but various. that's their lens, right? That's they're looking where they're seeing from it. You right. know, so I think that's interesting. Um, yeah, and it just also made me think about. Um, so one thing I talked about with um, my art students was that Plato came up with this idea of what is great art. What was it have? He said there's unity within the variety, and there's variety within the unity, which is very like Shema Yisrael type of right. thing. Um, you know, but that, like, even when there's differences, there's, like, this unity that comes together, or even when there's, like, something that's very the same, there's slight variations. So, but it's interesting of, like, how people experience it. Right. You know?
1: Because Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi Sack speak, um, actually, I heard the recording of Rabbi Sack speaking at Rutgers, actually. And oh, wow. He, yeah, he... Uh, 2000, I think November of 2016. And one of the things, you know, you, you can listen to a 45-minute lecture and you leave with one line right. that's imprinted. And he said that, you know, you talk about how Hashem created all of us in his image, right? But he really likes diversity.
0: <laughs> right. Like
1: we're, all, we're not all the same. Right, you know, we're right, all right. in his image. So even though you look like you do and I look like I do, and we may be, you know, black, orange, purple, tall, small, women, right. men, you know, we're, we're all in his image. And that that ultimately supersedes Anything that is different from right. and I think that that's like if you kind of live your life recognizing that. I know that's not the most important tenet, in Judea, but I think it sort of sifts down into you know, it It really is the you have to, right, you know, right. you love people because at the end of the day, they were they have the same, um, you know, they're on the same level, they were just they were all created from the same, you know, they were minted from the same, right. um, what's the word, um model or whatever it is. They were imprinted right. in the same way. And we all have that imprint of God on us and yeah. no matter what, right? No Why, matter what. Yeah.
0: Why do you think that's not stressed more within Judaism? Because obviously it's stressed a lot within like Christianity, don't you think? Um, I mean, I think it depends on where, which
1: community yeah. you're in and where. I think we also have a lot of everyday minutiae that we get so caught up in that it's we're so busy with, like, one of the things I love about Judaism is, like, really, you feel God is in the details. Yeah. But it's very important to remember that bigger piece. You know, right. you have to be, I think you have to be very cognizant of it, and we have a lot going on, right? We're working, and we're running, and we're cooking, and we're making Shabbos, and we're taking care of our children, and we're married, and we're, we're not married. And whatever we're doing with our lives, right. it's very hard to bear all of this in mind. I guess this right. mindfulness uh, you know this whole thing about mindfulness is getting right. back to that right that some that idea that we're there's more going on than just the everyday but i try to i sort of like keep it i don't think everyday oh you know god has made me you know but what i do do is when i'm in all those details i try to see god in the details right and that brings me back to that bigger
0: yeah but i'm just wondering like because, like, Vyata, Lerach Kamocha, you know, that, like, hit it pretty big. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. That, that made it big. And, like, but but Salomal King, It's a good bumper sticker. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel like like, I don't know. I just feel it's interesting that that one didn't really, like, do you feel like it? I don't know. I
1: think it depends on the, I think you have to make a very proactive choice to say, I'm going to think about it. Yeah, I don't think it's not in people's minds. I think, you know, I think you have to say today, I'm going to try, you know, I try like some days, you know, you're just so overwrought with being, you know, your superpower yeah. is getting out of bed, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> you're like trying to manage yourself, let alone walk around like, oh, you know, and I, you know, I love everybody. And right. there are days that it's harder to even love yourself. Right, that's true. So some days, yeah, I find that the they have to lurecha kamocha is I have to work on the kamocha part. You know, right, I right, have to right, work right. on that before I can. Right, that's maybe you, know, our you have to put your air mask right on now. first yeah. before because it's yeah. very hard to be loving to someone right. else when right. you are struggling with yourself. So I think yeah. some days I work more on that, and other days I work on the other piece. But like I, um. This, you know, I'm not so big on New Year's resolutions because they're impossible to keep. But like day three, I'm like, oops, forgot, you know, (laughs) so I don't really, uh, I had one, I had one on the Jew at Rosh Hashanah and I had one for the- How are you uh, at the Omer? uh, uh, Terrible. Uh, Day four. (laughs) (laughs) We have even like all these counters all over the house. They don't help because you have to remember to find them. But I I wanted to try to do one thing every day that was hard for me. Oh, Wow. Like, um, that's cool. Tiny yeah, little yeah, things, yeah. you know, like let someone go online in front of me in the supermarket when right. I'm rushing. Uh, I'm not talking like save the world right. and donate a kidney, I'm talking like, yeah, like which would all nice things to do too, but most of us aren't on that level or just we don't have the opportunity, right? I like try to do a little, yeah. nice thing and and to put myself in a situation where it's hard. It shouldn't be easy. Yeah. You know, like I, I would say in my head, um is not having your best friend over. Yeah. It's having someone that's harder for you to have over. Right. right. Or going beyond your right. Um outside your comfort zone. So I try as much as possible to do that. I some days it just doesn't happen because I'm you know if you're a freelance writer and you you know you don't even have to leave your house so right. it's not always so easy to do that but like try to do that and do it in that way as opposed to thinking so much about it but i feel like you can see i do see god everywhere i go yeah and i feel he's very much in the world i know it sounds i'm going to sound like a cuckoo bird but i really feel like i see and i'm not just talking like flowers or but just sometimes you see something there's this imprint there if you want to see it. And I think if you are cognizant of that, then you're more cognizant of the other people. Like, yeah. like one thing makes the others fall into place.
0: Yeah. Tell me more about that um, relationship with God thing. Like how do you, and you say you speak with him all the time. What? Do, how does that? So sometimes I'm
1: mad at him. Yeah.
0: But some days I'm really
1: mad at him. And you like literally say it? or And I I, I, you know, sometimes, well, more like uh,
0: something will happen, I'll look up and go, really? <laughs> really? <laughs> like, you had nothing else to do today? You, do you connect with filler on the roof? Like that type of dialogue? A little, bit, yeah. a
1: little bit. A little bit. Less the negotiation, because yeah. I don't feel that there's room for negotiation. I know, you know, but right. I definitely, some days, like I'll take out my sitter to Davin in the morning and I'll say, I I'm sorry. I, I just can't use the text. I have to just... And I'll talk to him. Yeah. And, you know, I always say this, God doesn't always... You know, they say you didn't get the answer you wanted. It doesn't mean he didn't answer you. Yeah. And I try to bear that in mind because some days it's like, but I I really wanted it to go that way and it went the other way or nothing happened and you know, to be aware of the fact that my answer, you don't get to choose the answer. You can only choose to ask the question. Yeah, And that's what keeps the relationship. I I feel like that keeps the relationship going. Like, I've never felt like that I can't do, you know, participate in certain things as a woman. Like, it's never been a problem for me because that's not the way I connect. Like, I don't connect that way with God. I like to You know, I talk to him in English. I talk to him, you know, whatever language comes out of my mouth or whatever mood I'm in. And sometimes I'll just say, do you see what a beautiful thing? I just just made a persimmon salad, you know, and I said, do you see what I did with your persimmons? (laughs) You know, and thinking, okay, this is crazy, but I, I don't know. It feels like the right, for me, I'm sure that, you know, it's not the standard way. Um, and I do dab. Were and, you always
0: like this? Like you always had that type of relationship?
1: I, I, um, yes. I always well. It started when I was younger. I used to I talk to God a lot. I talked to God in the same way. I felt the presence of, you know, other people. I felt. I've always. I don't know. I just always felt it. I had this big thing on some Torah. Like I used to love being able to peer into the Aron when it was empty of wow. Torahs. And I thought, like, I get to talk to God today. You know, he's right here. Of course he's here. Like, all the tours are so out. So you he really must be... fiz- you feel something. Yeah, I feel something. I'm very in touch with that. I know it sounds like it makes me sound like a little hokey, but I, I feel that. And sometimes that's, I don't know if it's enough. For, some days I wonder, is that enough for him? I mean, am I doing enough for him? You know, if I can't open a sitter. But sometimes sometimes crying. Like, But its I think that the importance of Judaism is maintaining that. Relationship,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and this is maintaining a relationship, and you know, just like any relationship, some days you laugh with your spouse, some days you cry with your spouse. Some days, you know, my grandmother always said, "Have have your biggest arguments with your husband on the day you're most in love, mm. because it's going to be a different tenor, right? You wow. know, so you know, say God, you know, things have been great. I just want to bring up, <laughs> you know, and yeah. it's. I don't want to say I'm making it a human yeah. to human relationship, but like I feel like. I'm talking to him, and yeah. I, I'm pretty sure he doesn't. He made us, you know, he chose us because he wants people who talk to him, right? Yeah. So alone up there, a lot of angels. I don't know whoever's flying around, but I think that that's the reason he created the world and he created us to generate that relationship. And
0: that's how I keep it. That's how I keep the the love alive, you know. Yeah. And that's what works for me. So, wow. Well, I wanna. Um read, I think your piece about the invisible Jew, which I think relates to this idea that you're talking about, about you sensed, of course you can participate, you participate all the time, right? you know, like you participate in Jewish things. So I think that relates kind of to your reaction to um, women's faces being taken away from Would you say like religious magazines? How the more, the the more, more,
1: um, you know, the the, well, it's moving more and more into the less uh, right, you know, more to the right publications,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um, invitations, um, advertisements. There was actually a, I don't remember what catalog it was, so I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to misattribute. There was a toy catalog that came out for Hanukkah, and had little girls on playing with. Like, you know, box. They had the bo- The girl holding the box. Okay. So, on the, so you have a picture of a girl holding a box with a picture of a girl. Okay. And the girl's face and the girl's face on the box were both, you know, um, I don't know what the correct graphic designer word, but like blur, they were sort oh, of wow. blurred. And a friend called me hysterical because, yeah. like, now I'm, you know, yeah. I'm your go to among yeah. my friends. Like, did you see it? And yeah, I we yeah. didn't see it. And I was so. I mean, to me, there's nothing purer than the neshama of a child. Right. And I think our faces are where our neshama... You know, you don't see someone's neshama in their elbow. Right. Right? You know, the eyes are the window onto, onto the soul, to me, is such a Jewish thing. Like, And that's that... Your neshama is that piece of God inside you. How would you want to... Like, to me, obliterating a woman's face is obliterating God, you know... It's obliterating a piece of God and I don't understand and there's no halachic basis for it. And this is not a in almost all communities, this was not something that has any precedent. And it it really it hurt it hurt me. It hurt me to see that. And wow. it hurts me when I see it and it I, I don't underst I don't understand it.
0: Yeah. I'd love to read this and I'd love to hear um kind of if you had any reactions to it or what okay. what transpired from this I know there was an art show whatever right. um but um and also before we do under, we have a little bit of time but um I'd also love if you can also quickly just talk about how you became a writer like where would okay. that come from in your life okay. yeah how did you start to talk? that You identify? want to do that first or you want to do that? I'd love to do this but okay. I'd love to hear okay. like where the where that came from okay. I kind of Sorry, I'm going in like the opposite direction of what I oh, usually do. That's okay. <laughs> going back in time. You said it was
1: going to be organic and fluid. Yeah, it's here all we good. Go.
0: Okay, so I'll try to read this as slow and well as possible unless you want to. That's it. Okay. okay. It's like an
1: outer body experience yeah. listening to you, it. That's kind <laughs> of interesting.
0: A few weeks ago, my friend was telling me that she and her husband are being honored at a fancy gala dinner hosted by a religious institution, a cause that is important, meaningful even. We chat a little about dresses in the venue. And while I tally the cost of an ad plus the covert in my head, she mentions that the photographer had come the night before to take a picture of her husband for the invitation. A slip of the tongue, I think to myself, then I'm not so sure. Something makes me ask, what about you? As soon as the question leaves my mouth, I know the answer. And more than anything in that moment, I don't want it to be true. But that changes nothing. My friends still will not appear in the picture on the cover of the invitation. She gives me a moment to catch my breath before promising me it doesn't bother her at all. The presenting only half of their pair to a public audience simply accommodates the modesty needs of the wider religious community. I'm a puzzle to her, though. She can't understand why I'm rattled by her impending absence. I tell her I've spotted invisible women on the pages of some of the from publications, but never before have I watched someone I know disappear. Hmm. What a piece.
1: I can't believe it was, so, it was a while ago already too it yeah. wasn't so do. so the interesting the most interesting thing is um, she and I were, we're still friends and she did see it before it went out because I didn't want to just I wouldn't have not published it but I wanted to be respectful to her um, and we talk about it all the time like it comes mm-hmm. up all the time yeah. it's, it's like a but it's not a block between us it's not a fence it's something we discuss and We're never going to completely, we're not going to see eye to eye on it. But I think, and I'm speaking for her, but I think the reason it keeps coming up is that it bothered me so much, I think in a way touched her, even Mm -hmm. though she doesn't agree with my sensitivity that it's so dramatic. You know, I think she thinks that I'm a little dramatic, a little too feminist or whatever. And, but I think to say to someone, it pained me. To see you disappear. Yeah. Like, like, what else can you say to someone to make them feel respected and cared for? And I think that that is, again, I am assu- I think that that's why it didn't cause a, any kind of disruption in the friendship. Because
0: um, she could tell how much you cared about
1: her. And I respect her yeah. a lot. And yeah. um that was a very hard thing. But I think it's, in general, like, you know, as I was saying, like... I don't know. I just look and think, why? I don't know. It's it's also not my relationship with most of the men in my life have never been like that. I mean, I can't say I was raised, you know, I was not exactly raised enough. You know, my mother did most of the housework, but like, you know, I watched Free to Be You and Me. And um, I just never thought, I never felt as I never felt limited until I entered the workforce and then I realized, wow, all this stuff is true. Because in my head- And the workforce being like from places? No. Or, oh, okay. Um Just in general, you know, like I, you know, you find out that a male colleague is getting this and you're not getting that and- uh, you know, I learned more as I got older, or, you know, you someone's there's an empty coffee pot, and the man is standing there, and you're both staring at this <laughs> coffee pot, and you refuse to... I'm not making the coffee, because if I make the coffee, I'm yes. just feeding into your paradigm, you know, sure, like in yeah. your head, and I'm just smiling and smiling. Yeah, you, you know, you're going to make the coffee? And I was like, oh, I don't want coffee, you know, because I didn't, I didn't want to make it a thing. I didn't want the confrontation piece, but yeah. this... You know, I was sort of accidentally aware of the fact that I was more, more fem- you know, not in the, in a strident way, you know, I was always worried about being that. And then I was like, you know what, it's okay. It's good to be, to feel that way. But I don't think this piece of the women being erased is a feminist thing. I think it's a human thing. And that's the difference for me. Like women should get equal pay is the right thing to do. And if I make a thing about it, you know, maybe I'm I'm taking up the feminist cause. That's great. And I, I embrace that. And I wrote also about for Havri about um, accepting that word. But I don't think that this should be a feminist issue. I think this should be all of us should be up in arms. And this is not who we are as a people. It's just not it's just not the Jewish way to do things. And there are Rabbanim, and even today, who will only... Rabbi Horowitz, um, Yaakov Horowitz, he insisted in his you know, his dinner ad. He's with his wife, and that was only a few years ago. There are people who believe that. And to watch women, you know, each time there's a new publication, and people will say, oh, not them too, you know, like a Tu Brute. Like, they always had women in their publication, and it's slowly it's just encroaching more and more and becoming more and more normative and it's just heartbreaking because if it doesn't stop it only grows nothing stagnates mm-hmm. but i think that's human and jewish and it's not shouldn't just be about shouldn't just be women i think men should be right we should all be saying this is not who we are right and you know yeah you no know, i'm lucky that i know men who are and you know there are men who are taking up the cause you know a lot has his he still has his face pixelated, even on that, that Forward article with the Twitter, the JTA article I saw. I was like, oh, gosh, he doesn't even have his face there. They use the pixelated one. You know, and I was like, oh, good, bravo, right? Um, I hope people know what it's talking about or they just think that. But I think that it's very important that we as humans do everything we can to preserve it for the sake of us as humans and for the sake of humanity, but also because I think we're, it's a smear on what God God created this world. He created all of us. And when we don't embrace that or we say we're not, you know, when we look at a, a woman's picture and find it offensive, like, why is it offensive? And a modestly dressed woman or just the face or a five-year-old girl on a box of Lego or whatever, right. like that level of, this right. is just,
0: it feels to me like we're not feeling God in the world. That. Right. I mean, to me, it also kind of brings up, like, what's going on with people's uh, sexual—I don't know, their sexuality seems to be messed up, like, in that can you, like—because I guess kind of one of the ideas is that seeing a woman's face will make you aroused, right? Is that kind of like— I mean, I guess, yeah. Is that one of the ideas? Is that, like, it's too much for you to handle? And then it's (laughs) like— Right, I mean, but it achieves the,
1: the opposite because it hypersexualizes. Right, it hypersexualizes,
0: which I definitely think actually is an issue within um, the Orthodox community, and you'll you'll see it in different ways. Like, right. the... but I think it does the. Yeah, it
1: achieves the opposite, it does and it also that. says, like, the men. I mean, what's why do we think that about our men? That like our men they can't, can't handle it, can't look like I don't understand. I mean, I'm yeah. not talking like a, a photo of. You know, the Kardashians on a beach on a Rar. bikini. Or something like a, a from woman, modestly yeah. dressed, very appropriate, you yeah. know, hair covered, you know, just I don't I don't understand. No, it's very it's um, very interesting. And I think I don't have daughters, but I think for um it's it's hard for girl like we're not giving girls role models. If they, all they can do is look at men, not that men can't be role models, but right. I think we need to empower our girls. And empowerment. I just had this discussion actually with someone who said empowerment is feminism, and I said let's take the word feminism out of the conversation because that seems to just up the the tension yeah, in the room. Yeah, yeah. But like, don't you want daughters to be? Don't you want them to be empowered and and feel good and and proud? Not in a way of like. Pride and Gaiva, but right. like pride in who they are, that they're Jewish, that they're walking out into the world and they're reflecting what God wants us to be. And you're right. saying they don't have anyone to look at. I think that that removes that important piece right. um, from what we're giving our daughters. And we're telling our sons that women don't matter. Like it's
0: just not yeah. all around, it's not a good thing. Yeah. It's yeah. just not a good no, thing. No, 100%. Um, yeah. And it just makes me think about like, I wrote a piece. A while ago, about how actually I I used, we used to go to um, a Haredi shul, and then we started going to Modern Orthodox shul, and um, I felt so much more sexualized at the Haredi shul mm-hmm. that when a man would like come over to the woman's side, I felt like, oh my god, like I'm this woman, and right. like he's uncomfortable. Like, what's he doing? And what's he doing here? <laughs> and what? Yeah, and but like it was just so uncomfortable. Like, oh my, my gosh, what am I? You know, <laughs> it, it was this heightened sexuality, yeah. you know, versus like in the Modern Orthodox show, it's very Low key, like we all have kiddish together. It's super, like, and everyone's used to interacting. And you still have a machitza. We not do the have mechitzah. Mechitza. I don't think it's the machitza that's doing right. it. Right? We do have mechitza. Um But yeah, and that when I when I interact with men, uh, the men there, I feel like a human being. I don't feel like a woman. Cool. Like, yeah, okay, I am. You know, I have a slight sense. You know, and but I think that's very interesting um, about because trying to create a separation you know, between, between sexes and then what can backfire and heighten and then sexuality gets all confused. Right. It's, it's like... hard. It's, it's, it's
1: not a good thing. It's just really. Yeah. Not, I'm not simplifying it by saying that. I think it's just, it, there's nothing about it that feels right to me. You know, not that anyone's listening to me, but I I think that it's, uh it's very harmful. And the article, not just the, um the show, but like. It relate a lot of people related to it because yeah. I'm certainly not the only woman who feels this way. Yeah, and it's from a place of love for my community and a place right. of love for orthodoxy and observance and Torah and Torah values. It's not from a place. You know, there are yeah. times where you know people will say, "Well, that's you know, yeah, you get yeah, what yeah. you sow, you reap what you sow." If you want to be, right. uh, you know, you want to have that kind of lifestyle, but I think it's the opposite. I think it's those of us on the inside who love a community and want it to be better and want it to grow and want it to, you know, to, to fire more neurons, to heal those fissures. Right. You yeah. know, to, I, I think that it has to come from within, you know, um, on that level, you know, if we're loving it, why it's not criticizing it right. to destroy it. It's criticizing it to heal it. And I, you know, so I, I try not to be, I'm not good at the confrontational piece. Yeah. Um, I did have um, a, there was a paper in, New York, that I got a lot of criticism. They reprinted the article, and mm-hmm. I got a, um, a barrage of not very nice. It's the first time, actually, in my entire writing career that I got some very not nice things written about me in op eds
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, that were very painful. And I'm not so good about mm-hmm. people like just, you know, remember from whence con- it was very hard for me. But I guess, you know, a lot said, I actually spoke to him about it. He goes, Oh, this is normal. You know, <laughs> this is the natural. This is what happens when you. Right when you take the risk to say something. So that was eye-opening for me, that paper is actually no longer open. Uh, They closed, they folded, Mm. But I saved all of them, which was weird, like in maybe a masochistic (laughs) kind of way. But it was a good reminder that there are risks. You know, when you write and you put yourself out there, there's always... You know, it's so nice when someone writes you a little, always so related, but it's, you never know. You send it out into the world and you have to hope it's, you know, it takes wings on its own. Once you've written it, it's, it's its own being, right? It's, yeah. it's almost like, uh, you don't, you lose control over it once it's out there and with the internet and everything being so immediate, there's no, none of this like waiting for the newspaper to print this, right. you put it up and it's, it's gone and then I always like before I post anything, I'm like, you know, I blow it a kiss, <laughs> yeah. I say Godspeed, and <laughs> do your, you know, find your place. And yeah, you know, I hope that it's good.
0: Wow. So, um let's see how much time we have. I think we might have like five minutes or something. Okay. Um I'd love if you could quickly share what how this happened that you became this became a writer, you know, at- So...
1: I think I was, oh, I would say that my sense, I've never really thought about it, believe it or not. Um, I was always a storyteller in my head, meaning I would always want to know. I think one of the first things that, at least for me as a writer, is that I want to answer a question or I want to figure something out, make sense of something, understand it, even if it's just for myself. Like I don't usually sit down. I mean, if I'm writing for a client, obviously I'm writing what they need. But when I'm writing an essay, I don't sit and think, hmm, who am I sending this out to? I'm writing what's inside. It's almost like I have to take what's inside me and there's this urgency to get it out of me. Mm -hmm. And I always felt that kind of an urgency. I just didn't always... Um, right. Although my, my mother went, my pediatrician from when I was a little girl, um, he, he died when he was close to 100. And wow. this is years ago, but my mother went and got my folder. They said, would oh. you like your file? She said, do you want it? Oh. Wanting everything old. And yeah. Um. so actually, I got my vaccine records. I was all excited. Oh, I, think so, I so, yeah, was so, yeah. so excited. I'm like, look, I don't have measles. <laughs> so I went and got, she got it for me. And there were stories in it um, that I must have written in school. And I gave for whatever reason, I gave to my doctor. And there were stories, there was really cute little stories. There were poems. I mean, they were little girl, you know, they were not going to be uh right. Nobel Prize winning fiction or anything, but they were, I definitely always told stories in different ways. Like um I've always collected things I find on the ground and wonder who did this belong to? And is the person sad that they dropped it? And always imagining things. and made... So I think it just took time for me. And I was a huge reader, still am a huge reader. Like the library was always my safe haven and just the soul of books and who touched the pages and feeling, you know, feeling the, how many people were before me on page 24 of this, you know, I think that was always a part of who I was and all of my job. I wrote, and I did some writing in college and I did some writing in high school, but it took time to accept that my voice ma- made a difference. You know that it—I don't know, I mean made a difference in the world, but it made it, my voice matter. Just like your voice, everyone. We all have stories to tell, right? right. We're humans. We all right. have stories. That when did I you had first realize that you actually? I think it was accidental. I came back actually when I came back from Zagreb.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, when I came back from Zagreb, I used to have to write reports and. They became more. Per- I realized that my nature in writing, even when I was writing a work report, was to tell the personal mm-hmm. story. And then I started to do some public speaking, and I just, it just fell into it. And I realized that I just felt at home. I just felt at home doing it. It just felt like the right thing. Yeah. I did not accept that I was going to be able to do this as like my life, I was always very practical and I have to have a job with health insurance and a mm-hmm. 40, you know, 401k. And then um, I had a job for 13 years. And uh, for a lot of complicated reasons, I ended up not continuing at that job. And um, I had space to think. And all of a sudden I was like, I get to write. And I started to do more and more and more of it in a way that was healing for me, that was meaningful to me. And then at some point, I got the courage. I don't know why. I think a friend, oh, you know what? A friend at the Jewish Week said, he's, oh, I remember. The first time I really pu- like sent something out into the world like that, a friend said, we're doing a special Passover section. Would you, would you be interested in writing something? And I was like, okay. You know, like, you mean like publishing it <laughs> with my name on?" It? And I had done stories for work that ended up in Jewish Federation papers, but this was different. This wasn't about someone else. It right. was going to be about something personal. And I said, okay. And I actually I wrote about my opening the cabinet in the garage for Passover, um, and it was very funny because one of my heavier uh, pieces this year, I wrote about it in a very different way, mm. and it was fascinating to see. I think the, uh, the original piece was nice, but to see my growth less as a writer, because I'm sure that, that too you we hone our craft the same way you become a better pianist or gymnast or right, whatever. Right. But like the willingness to let more of me uh be on the page. Not in a TMI kind right, of right, right, way. Right. Um you really let your yeah you really but to let it out there. And like, you know, my husband sees everything before we have a deal that he reads everything before it goes nice out so that he's comfortable because I do write. Personally, And he's very rarely said, can you take that line out? And I, and I do. But I've never felt, I mean, I've written about so many different personal things, but it's never been in a gratuitous way. Like, I really right. try to do it in a modest way. But, you know, like, you know, I wrote about, I wrote like um, years ago, I wrote an article for Lilith about having a miscarriage. My husband doesn't usually like me to talk about it, so he'll forgive me when he listens to this. But it was very healing for me to write yeah. about it. But I had women in our community who were in their late 60s, grandmothers many times over, call me and say that they had never, ever talked about wow. their own experience and they were calling to talk about yeah. their experience. And they were so grateful that I had, I didn't write it, about, and it, and I, it was in a very appropriate Jewish way, yeah. um, but they were so moved by it. And I thought, this is why you write. Right. Like even if it's one person, like Hashem puts your in your fingertips the ability to do this. And if you feel compelled to share that story and you do I think I think there is a difference between like what we do versus, you know, some of the things that I've read things that I've squirmed in other, you know, general publications and God bless, because it's some people need that. Right. I could never do that because it's just I'm constrained a little by that. But I think if someone says to you I never talked about it, and this happened 40 years ago, and you gave me you gave me the opportunity to give that feeling breath and oxygen and wings. There's, like, nothing better. There's nothing better in the world than that, right, to have someone, you know, like even when we read our, our stories, like, right, from each other, I'm thinking, you know, it could be a, I don't know, you could write a 5,000-word essay, and then there's a line, and I just thought, she's in my head, right? Like, and then you connect. You connect. We connect with each other. Yeah. and. And it happens with, you don't know who, and everybody looks at Facebook likes and likes on sites and you just don't, you don't know. And you have to have the amuna that there's a reason you feel compelled to tell the story like that, like back to where we started. Like I, you know, you walk out of your house, like, and you want to go left, but you feel something pushing you right. And that I believe is... God in the world. That's you know. That's when I feel God in the world, or He's sending a malach to do it. You know, could you go down there and turn to the other direction? And I feel that, and I'm writing too. That I feel like Shem did not give me great athletic ability, or you know, there I'm short. Sure, you know, there are things that are limiting, but like he he gave me the he gave me this feeling inside me to feel compelled to tell my story in a way that. I hope will resonate with someone else and give someone that that connection, that spark of connection, that healing, or just that feeling of two humans, two people that God created have connected and they've made his world a better place and i'm I feel so ble I feel so blessed you know it's certainly not the most fruitful,
0: you know, and that's yeah, so I think that's it wow, that um so powerful, I feel like everything you said could have been like its own <laughs> on a plaque <laughs> when it's my next career, I'll make signs for marshals for kitchens you know those it uh... sounds so good, but if anyone I highly suggest checking out um Maryrachik on Hevria on any of these publications um that she works on. it's really deeply soulful words um, very I think healing to read Thank and you. insightful and Thank, Thank you, you so much for being here. I have a here. website also. It's oh, all, it's
1: all it's like all parked there. It's like a big parking lot. Mm-hmm. It's not a. It's certainly not going to win any uh, graphic design awards, but I have uh, what is it again? Okay. Check so check out. It's all sort of Beautiful. there. Thank not you. organized. <laughs> Thank you so much for Thank being here.
0: Thank you. More. It's good to be here. Thank you for listening to Havriya Cast. I'm Aladna Harai. If you'd like to hear more and read more of our work, you can follow us by going to hebraeacast.com or facebook.com slash Mag We've been recording at the Kalal Studios in New York City and the music that you're hearing is Voice Lessons by Darshan Thank you so much We look forward to seeing and hearing from you again